Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Today, we are finishing our series on where I've been. Look at your neighbor and say, you don't know where I've been. Okay, none of y'all even did it. All right, so it's going to be like that today. I see how it is. All right. I don't have a neighbor. <laughs> that's when you got to look behind you. Crick your neck. <laughs> you don't know where I've been. And that's why we're not talking at the beginning um, about how we were playing Never Have I Ever last night. It is, uh, it is just such a fun game to me. And I love playing that game at church. <laughs> like, and traditionally, you never are allowed to. I, I would have gotten in trouble when I was a youth pastor and we played that game in our youth group. But it is, uh, it's just so fun because you realize that you're not that different from the people you're sitting with. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's so much of us that, that reserves ourselves because we know where we've been and we're not really ready to let everybody know that. It took me... Jeez, I don't know, like two or three years of me being a Christian till I ever let anybody know even just a little bit of where I've been. I was so ashamed of my story. I was so, so ashamed of the places that I've been, the things that I did, uh, the things that I've done, that I didn't let anybody know anything about me. And when I went to ministry, the ministry internship I went to that was a year long, acted as a seminary, the next year became a Bible college. Um, I remember it was, people were so curious of where I had been. <laughs> they had no idea, and, and I wouldn't tell them. I, I just felt so, I, I was like in my head, I was like, all the things I did put Jesus on the cross. I don't wanna, I don't wanna ever go back to that. And I was, I was ashamed and guilty of the things that I had done. And, and so I looked really bizarre to some people because I seemed like this very super spiritual young white guy. When I went into the internship, I had my he- I had shaved my head, <laughs> uh, and so you just see this this skin headed white guy. That and when I first got there, we had like d- guys and girls dorms were separate, and I don't know why I was just a young kid, but I would usually just have my shirt off. <laughs> and so you see the skin head white guy at this. Christian ministry, where most of the people there were raised in church and thinking like, I'm going to go meet some other brothers in Christ. And, and you walk in, you see this, this, this guy with his shirt off, with a tattoo across his chest and a brand, and, and he won't tell you anything about his life. It was such a mystery to people. And people were like, like what, what did you do? What, what, what were you like before you were a Christian? I was like, that's none of your dang business. Like, and it is, it is really a deep truth when we think about where we've been and how it is so hard for us to not see where we've been in relationship to God. That no matter where we've been, no matter how many times we've asked for forgiveness, it is just so incredibly difficult to separate where we've been to how God sees us. And I want to ask you this question what usually stops us from going deeper in God? What usually stops you from going deeper with God? Going closer to God? And I want to share 
this psalm in chapter 51, verses 7 through 17. And it says, Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels, and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. You know, these verses are so moving. They sound so poetic. And I want you to think about what is this person, what's going on? in this person's life at this moment. And what it sounds like is a person that is a follower of God and made a mistake. A follower of God who fell into sin and he is asking and begging God to forgive him. But notice that in this moment of repentance, this moment of asking for forgiveness, it's like he's bringing up all the stuff that he's already been forgiven for. He's talking about, and, and forgive me for the sins of my youth. And I was stupid, right? <laughs> Sin, forgive me for, for shedding blood. And he goes so much farther back than the, than the moment that he needed forgiveness again. And he's saying over and over, restore me a clean heart. Restored to me the joy of your salvation, created me a clean heart, renew a loyal spirit in me. Renew means that it was once loyal. Y'all get what I'm pointing at here? That this is a person that was with God, made a mistake, and now is trying to come back to God. And the way that he talks in this, this scripture, it sounds like it wasn't that long that he's been far away from God. It seems like it's so, like it, it was almost like he just skipped a beat. And the most meaningful part of the scripture is where it says, you do not desire a sacrifice. Or I would bring you one. I would offer you one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken, repentant heart. And when I think back to the moments where I feel so distant from God, and I, because of that, I feel intimidated to go into God's presence. I feel intimidated to open the Bible. I feel intimidated to pray. I feel intimidated to worship or sing a song because I feel so dirty. I feel so ugly. I feel so wrong. Why, how could I ever go before God? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. And it's in those moments where 
it's not as much as that we excuse ourselves, but we are ashamed of ourselves, and that's why we don't go deeper with God. We are so focused on where we've been that we can't look to where we need to go. Y'all feel that? And guys, look, I, I'm not trying to say that I'm perfect or anything, but I'm a pastor. I have a prayer life. I have a regular reading of the word. I love engaging in worship. And with all of that, it's like I shared the other, the other week. There's moments where I still feel like that broken little 17-year-old kid that has this list of shame, this long list of guilt and things that I've done wrong that I just can't seem to crumple up and throw away. In those moments, it is so hard to just go to God as a new creation. It's so hard to go to God and feel like I've had a, a slate that's been wiped clean. Y'all know what I'm saying? And it's in those moments where it's hard to just jump into God's presence. It's hard to pray. It's hard to read the Bible. It's hard to do those basic things because the guilt is just such a wedge between me and Him. And what I believe is that we can be our worst critics. That we can be our own worst, uh, our own bad accuser. We can be worse than the devil sometimes in our accusations about ourselves. And we disqualify ourselves more than anybody else sometimes. Especially when it comes into this walk and relationship with God. And how many times have you asked yourself, well, why would God even want me? Well, what would God even want to do anything with me for? How many times have you discredited yourself and thinking that you're not enough? And even yesterday, I was, I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Can I just be very transparent? I, when I was preparing for this, this message, I, I spent just the whole time in prayer and worship. And I don't even have any notes on here. This is all just the scriptures that we're going over. And I just felt so strongly in my heart that God wants this just sweet relationship with you. And we have been stopping ourselves over and over and we, get, we go through the same cycle to where we feel encouraged and we go to God, but then we realize we're not perfect again and so we stay away from Him. And as I was... I was uh, I took some time to pray uh, and worship yesterday and just thinking about today. And just, I, just like out of this, like uh, I was just feeling God's presence and it was amazing. And there's a part where I just was like singing a new song, like just sing, like singing things that came to my head. I'm not a, a songwriter or anything, but out of like what I was just feeling, I was coming out of my, my mouth through, through words and, and song. And some of the things I was saying, and I'm being very like vulnerable right now with sharing with you. Some of the things that, that I was singing out was, I'm a broken man. 
I'm a broken man that that you keep saying is whole. I'm 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 hurt even though I've been healed. I'm lost only to be found again. And I was just singing these things over and over and and one of the things I started saying was it is so I was singing it's so hard for me to see myself the way that you see me. It's so hard for me to see myself the way that you see me. As loved, as forgiven, as redeemed, as useful. And I feel like it's that, the essence of that is why it's so hard for us to go into deeper places with God. Y'all feel that? And even and isn't it funny how all of us are agreeing that that's the way we feel and yet in the moment it feels like you're the only one. You feel like everybody else, it's easy to just worship. It's easy to just read the Bible. It's easy to just pray for them. But I'm really, really messed up and broken and I'm, I'm garbage compared to them. And yet everybody else is feeling the same way. And I want to read this scripture to you guys. It's a really, really simple scripture. And it says, Mark, it's in Mark 15, chapter, uh, chapter 15, verse 37 through 38. And it says, Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, this is a moment that reading the Old Testament is very beneficial to understanding the New Testament. Because in the sanctuary, this is when Jesus officially dies on the cross. And this part where it says the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. At first glance, it's like, that's weird. But this curtain that it's talking about was a divider in the temple. There's a curtain that would divide the room and it was a place called the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest could go into this Holy of Holies room that, that ordinary people could not go into. And in this holy room, this holy space, was supposed to be where God's presence would dwell. And that he is so holy that you, just being ordinary, you couldn't go in there without the position of a priest. And that even then... It was such a sacred place that the priests would actually wear bells on their garments, on their robes, and they would jingle inside that place, and that's how they know that the priest was still alive. Because it was such a holy place that if the priest had sin and didn't have any sacrifices done, didn't have any uh, uh, acts of forgiveness through the shedding of blood, if he didn't do everything right, that there would be times where the priest would literally just fall dead inside that place because it was such a holy, supernatural place. And so, if they ever heard the, the, the sound stop, they knew, like, oh, he dead. And they would drag him out with the rope that was attached to him. That sounds really intense, right? And see, that's the imagery that we think of God now. That he is, you can only be perfect if you go to his present, into his presence, and that if I go to church the whole church would burn down, right? See, that, that's the thinking of God that we have. 
But in this moment, when Jesus died on the cross, it says that that, that curtain, another translation says that veil, tore in half. And what that means is it was such a symbolic thing that God had done to where when, he, when Jesus died on the cross, He made payment for the world's sin. And what God did Himself was He ripped up our past. He ripped up everything that could be held against us and said, you can come to me as you are. I made the way for you to come into this presence, into this place that is holy. And you don't have to be afraid. I'm making the way for you. Y'all feel that? And in this moment where this, this veil is torn, I, what I really want to happen in our hearts is for there to be a tearing in our hearts. A tearing away of our old thinking about God. And understanding that everything He is teaching us in the Word is come near to me. Come close to me. And it is so contrary to the way we think God operates. I was even on our way here, we were listening to this worship song. It's by Missy Edwards. If you ever have listened to Missy Edwards, her songs are real weird because they're really spiritual. And she was singing this song that's called Killing Me With Mercy. And she's singing this song that's telling a story from the, the perspective of Peter. And the, the song goes about saying, you're killing me with mercy, I can't breathe. You're crushing me with your kindness. And she says, how am I supposed to go to a God that is so humble? How am I supposed to, uh, to go to a God that's so humble when I want you to make me pay? I want you to punish me because when you bend down and, and kneel at my feet to wash my feet, I know where I've been. And yet, you still love me. And this song is so moving and so moving and so moving. And it gets me choked up every time I listen to it. And it's a song that just sings about the idea of how we want to be in the eyes of God. It sings about, I, I tell you, God, that I'll draw a sword to you. I'll lose it all for you. But then the, the cock crows and I let you down. It's talking about when Peter said, I'll, I'll, I'll die for you, Jesus. And then just a couple verses down, denied Jesus three times. And it's just singing about how we have this idea of what we wish we would be like to God and how we fall short of it. And how because of that standard we put on ourselves, it's so hard for us to just come to God. And yet scripture tells us over and over that it's by grace that we're saved, that we can't earn it. It almost feels better in, in a religion where you can earn God's respect and love. You know that Christianity is, a, is one of the very few religions to where you can't earn anything from God? There's nothing that you can do that qualifies you to receive the love of God. If you all the people that knock on your door, you ever you know what I'm talking about? The reason that they knock on your door is because they believe that that's how they earn God's love and that's how they earn their way to heaven. 
even though they, I really respect their tenacity to know that that burden they carry of like, this is the only way God will love me. That's a heavy burden to carry. Mm-hmm. But at least you can do something to make you feel like it's true. For us, simple idea of this grace of God, this love of God being so true and so authentic, it hurts when we feel like we can't measure up the love back, when we can't reciprocate that love. Y'all feel that? But what I'm saying over and over is that God himself is the one that tore down that veil. That he made a way for us to be able to just do our best and forget the rest. If your best is 30% that day, forget the rest. I mean, that's really like the simplest way of understanding God's love. Y'all feel that? And I want to end with this thought. And it's the simple idea that no matter where I've been, it has changed in the presence of God. No matter where you have been, it has changed in the presence of God. And I know that we've focused all about internally the things of like our own doing, our own works, our own mistakes, and about receiving that God's love through that. I want you to understand this concept that even in that, that the presence of God breaks away those walls that we put up ourselves. Did you know that if you were to just swan dive into sin and immediately after go to God in, in, in repentance and worship, that He would not hide His face from you because the, power, the blood of Jesus is that powerful. Now don't get me wrong, We should not have a heart that tramples on the blood of Jesus to where we're intentionally trying to just do whatever feels good at the and and knowing that, well, you know, I'm not trying to say that we're looking light of the blood of Jesus. But the fact that you feel that remorse and that that heartache shows that you have a respect and reverence for the blood of Christ. And so what I'm saying is that His blood is so powerful, His mercies are so good, that even when we can't control ourselves and we make those mistakes, that His presence is still waiting for us. And, I, and it's because of our own shame it stops us from going into that presence. But if we were to just go into the presence almost with disregard for our sin, I mean, it is a, it is a beautiful, amazing experience and I just know that it's, a, it's such a powerful experience to be forgiven that fast and that, that powerfully. Y'all know what I'm saying? And I'm fixated on the presence of God. I really am. And the presence of God really just changes our heart even when we are covered in guilt. And I want to share just this last story, and it's kind of going in a di- different direction. But... It's this journey of hopelessness. And the reason I felt like it connects is because I feel like those moments of shame for us feels hopeless because it's so much about ourselves and our lack of self-control that we feel like we're disqualified. It feels hopeless 
to receive the love of God that's available. But these are two stories that are exceptionally hopeless. And I want it, the reason I want to connect it is because it shows how powerful the presence of God is. And I'm going to just, I'm going to tell you now, it's a lot of verses, but what's great is that it's a really nice story. It's a really meaningful story. It's in Mark chapter 5, and we're going to go through verses 21 and 43. And ever since I became a dad, I realized that I can, I've realized like that you can put people to sleep by telling a story. I'll put myself to sleep while reading my daughter stories. And so I want you to really stay engaged and really try to put yourself in place of this scene. All right. Jesus got into the boat again and went to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue whose name was Jairus arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact... She had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. And I want us to stop here real quick before we go to the rest of the story. This scene is rather incredible because we see Jesus on the way to heal one person accidentally heal somebody else on the way. And this woman, who's only known as the woman with the issue of blood, you wonder why, why would she want to hide this need to be healed because um, most, most uh, uh, people who study doctrine they find that that this was a severe uh, like a type of severe hemorrhoid that she was dealing with and so it's like something very private you don't want to just be flaunting that like I need healing from this it was something that was almost embarrassing for her to where she wanted to be healed privately. And think about her story for a moment. That has been 12 years of hopelessness. 12 years of believing in something and it not working out. 
12 years of trying to get it to work and be positive and optimistic and it didn't work. 12 years is a long time. I haven't even been a Christian for 12 years. That, that's a long time that she's been suffering. And there's a couple points I want us to point out. One, that she was embarrassed of what she needed. How many times have we been embarrassed of what we need from God? And the other part, the, the other thing I want to point out is that when she reached out to Jesus, something happened. When she reached out to Jesus, something happened. And the third thing I want to point out is that Jesus was not willing to let her have an experience without having a relationship. He was not willing to just let her go being healed and just go on her merry way without having a conversation with her. Amen. And for me, I get goosebumps thinking about that. To know that that is how intentional God is with us, is that He will not just let us be healed and, and be one and done. That He will even stop everything that He's doing to have a moment with you. That, that That's really the God that we're talking about. This is Jesus who we're talking about. And, and even though she was afraid and embarrassed, notice that the way He talks to her is just like reassuring her encouraging her and and God and Jesus's presence this is the kind of exchange that really happens where you can come with something that you're even embarrassed about and if you just reach out something will happen within you and even though you felt like you were going to be afraid ashamed that God was going to tell you what he really thought about you Instead, something so much more beautiful happens and He reassures you, He encourages you, and He reminds you of His love for you. Do y'all feel that? Mm -hmm. So this was a woman that suffered for 12 years, 12 years wishing that she would die. That's how painful it was for her. Now continuing on, it says, While He was still speaking to her, while... While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. And just think about that for a second. That when something, I mean, death is so final. The finality of death is in this story. And everyone around is like, there's no point of talking to God now. There's no point of going into His presence now. This is a, another completely hopeless situation where something that is so final has happened. They told Him there's no trouble, there's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, 
Why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him. But he made them all leave, and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talita kum, which means, little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened, and then he told them to give her something to eat. Now, there's a lot of things that we could compare in these two stories. These stories are back-to-back. One was someone that suffered for 12 years. One had 12 years of good life and then sudden disaster. Little girl was 12 years old and then died suddenly. One of, one of them wanted the matter to be private, but God stopped the whole crowd for her to share what had happened. The other, everyone already knew, that's why they were following her, that this girl was sick and was about to die. And Jesus said, all of you stay back here while he went and did the miracle. One miracle, wanted to be in private, but he did in public. One was public and he did it in private. Y'all see this comparison here? Isn't it bizarre? And notice that there's just, it says that he saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. And he went inside and asked why all this commotion and weeping and wailing. The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. And the crowd laughed at him. What it shows is that I feel like the reason that he does certain miracles in private is because he knows that the people around are going to only make mock it anyway. They're only going to talk about how it wasn't really a miracle anyway. They're only going to bring doubt into a situation that needed peace. Y'all feel that? And how inappropriate to go from weeping to laughing. And it shows that some of the people in public that are around us in public are not really there for the best interests of the situation, but that they're there, they bring their own presence just to be there for a story to tell. They're not really there for the support. And how quickly they can go from weeping to laughing. How inappropriate. Imagine being the parents. You went, and, you went and brought this special miracle worker. You're the one that went and got Jesus. And when you bring him, the first thing that all the people there that were supporting you and crying with you and saying, Oh, I'm so sorry this happened. Everything happens for a reason. And saying all that crap. And the first thing that they do when Jesus comes is laugh at him. You just traveled miles and miles to go bring the special doctor. And as soon as he shows up, they all laugh saying, that's not going to work. How inappropriate. But see, the presence of God is so liberating. And the presence, it's just Jesus being there that drove them all away. Sometimes when we go into God's presence, have you noticed that when you become a Christian, some people naturally get away from you? People that were close, family members, friends, relationships that all of a sudden just like, it's like this, this aura comes around you to where they're no longer around. And you're like, well, that's messed up. Like I, we were really close. What happened? 
And sometimes it's just the presence of God is actually protecting you from those people. Because they're those people that would be weeping and laughing from one moment to the next. Y'all see what I'm saying? And I bet you even right now you're thinking of certain people and you're like, dang, that's true. That makes sense. And we don't even realize that some of the agonies that we go through, that, that little part of loneliness was actually for our protection. And that if we were to take a moment to realize that even though we are alone, we are not, we are not forsaken by God, that he's, His presence is still there, and that's a protection around us at those times, it's a powerful thing to realize. And you can better appreciate the miracle in front of you. Y'all dig that? And while the other story was 12 years of suffering, this was, this situation was, there was no doubt needed. There was no questions of, is she going to pull through? Is she going to get healed? This is a moment where it's final. She had died. And Jesus' presence was enough to resurrect, to bring something that was dead alive. And what, what I really, I know that these stories, we went from talking about our own, our own junk to talking about this woman with this issue of blood, talking about this little girl that died, and it's like, how do they all connect? What it, what it all connects to is that the presence of God is, is really the best healer, the best redeemer, the best life-giving source, the best provider, the best peace. And it doesn't matter how hopeless a situation is, that sometimes it's really as simple as going into God's presence. Amen. And... The heart of what I want us to take away, ending the series of where I've been, the heart that I want us to, to close with is that it doesn't matter where we've been, God's presence is the finishing work inside of us. Amen. God's presence is the finishing work inside of us. I've done all kinds of different like counseling sessions, advice, you know, people come with struggles, and Honestly, guys, the moments where people walk away truly feeling different, better than when they came into our meeting or whatever, were the moments that I prayed and we just had time of really reflecting on God's presence and worship or deep prayer. I feel like I can be really smart at times. And all of my advice is really worthless in making somebody feel better. But that... God's presence is enough to where people don't, it's like they don't even need to hear it. It's like they internally know something's different. And that's why I love the, the story with the woman with the issue of blood. Because it says that she felt the difference in her body. How many times have you gone to church and you didn't even really understand what the message was about, but you felt the difference inside of you. It is like you just felt different. And that's how powerful the presence of God is. And it, what I love about it is that it doesn't even really have to make sense. It's just so incredibly simple that the presence of God is the ultimate finisher. It's the ultimate thing that we need. And if you just go into His presence, it, it just like fixes things. It just does the work. You feel the difference. There's times where, guys, I, I, I can study Scripture and try to prepare a message. There's been so many times where I put this intellectual message together 
And I just feel like I don't even, I don't feel this. Like I know that it makes sense and that it's intellectual and things. And then I just spend a moment in worship in God's presence. And the whole message I spent hours working on is thrown out and a simple, like this message that was so much more powerful and simple happened in God's presence in all of my studying. Y'all get what I'm trying to say? It, it doesn't make sense. It just, it just is. And so I want us to just bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment. And I want you to just really solidify this thought into your heart. And that is, no matter where you've been, it is incredibly and exponentially changed in the presence of God. No matter where you've been. No matter where you've been, no matter what has happened to you, no matter what issues you're dealing with even right now, it is truly changed in the presence of God. I don't know how many times people have called me, texted me, tell me that their whole world is collapsing. In moments where I'm telling you, I just pray and I take, we take time to pray and just be in God's presence. And it's like the very next day, the very next week, like things that they never expected to happen, happen, and they didn't do anything to get it. It just happened. And it's because of the presence of God. It's that, that choice to worship even though you feel ashamed, that choice to worship even though you feel hopeless, just understanding that that curtain that separated us from God is torn in half that He tore it so that we could come to Him. And so, right where you're at, I want you to just pray to yourself, say, God, I want to feel your presence. I need to feel your presence. I just want you to have that moment, meditating on that, thinking about that, focus on that. And there's so many times where I've heard people say, I don't know what the presence of God feels like. And if that's you, tell God right now, bring your case to Him. Say, God, this pastor is telling me that I'm supposed to feel your presence without shame, without guilt. And I've asked for forgiveness. I've done my best in repentance. So let me feel your presence. Why are you hiding your face from me? I need to feel this. I'm desperate for something to happen. And I need you to show me that you love me. I need to see it, God. So right where you're at, God, I pray for your presence to touch people's lives right now. If there's any of you here or listening online, and maybe you're at that place where you know that it's not just been a moment, it's been a fat minute that you've been away from God. And you need to come back to Him right now. And maybe you're, you're feeling God's presence and, it, and you know just deep within yourself that you need to walk closer and go deeper even though you've been trying to run away. And if that's you, I just want you to have a conversation with your, just yourself, with God, saying, here I am. I know who you are, Jesus. And right now, I, I believe it. And I know that you're calling me to a deeper place. So I surrender to you right now. Be the Savior to my soul and be the Lord of my life. 
I want this to be real. I want this to be lifelong. I don't want this to just be an emotional experience today. I want this to be something I'm committed to tomorrow. Do the work in me, Jesus. And for the rest of us now, and this time, I want us to go into a, a place of worship. A place of worship. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.